The scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epaphatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we first started Grace Mosaic, I started to pay closer attention to the things that were going on to the neighborhood. I started paying closer attention to the diversity of our place and all of the needs that were represented among the people of our place. And it was at this time that I began to pay closer attention to Gallaudet University. Gallaudet is in Northeast DC and it's just over the line of our Southern part of our territory for Grace Mosaic. And it happens to be one of the most important and underappreciated institutions in our city. And the reason why it's so important as an institution is because it was the first school for the advanced education of the deaf and hard of hearing in the world. And to this day, it remains the only higher education institution that is specifically designed in all of its programs and in all of its services to accommodate deaf and hard of hearing students. And Gallaudet started in the 19th century when a philanthropist by the name of Amos Kendall became aware of the, the deaf children that were around him. And he began to notice that they weren't really being taken care of and they, they weren't really getting any opportunity for education. And so what he did is he, he had the courts declare him uh, the, the caretaker for these children and he donated land so that he could build a house and create an educational institution specifically for these deaf children. And this institution has created opportunity for a community that would have otherwise been left on the margins of society. And if you look at the seal of the University of Gallaudet, you will notice that there is the school's motto on that seal. And the motto of the school is Ephatha which is translated, be opened. And this motto of Gallaudet University is taken from the mouth of Jesus as quoted in our Mark 7 passage for today. As Mark continues to paint his picture of Jesus Christ, he not only shows us the way that Jesus cared for one man uh, many centuries ago from an ancient society, but he also shows us how he cares for us. He doesn't just show us how he created opportunity for this, this singular man a long time ago in a distant place and time. He also shows us how he creates opportunity for you and me today. 
So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to get into our passage in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, as we continue to think through our series on following Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? How should we think about it? What is involved in following Jesus? That's what this series is meant to, to communicate to you. Regardless of whether you've been a Christian for a long time or you're joining us for the first time and you're exploring faith, hey, what's up? We are really glad you're here. Uh, there's no other place we'd rather you be than tuning in with us this morning. We are really glad you're here with all of your questions, with your particular cultural concerns, with the struggle that you're facing along with millions of your your fellow Americans here. If you're tuning in from America, if you're tuning in from another country, we can appreciate how you're probably carrying a lot of the same challenges trying to navigate through this whole global pandemic thing. Um, we believe that as you're trying to sort through all of the questions of life and all of the questions of faith, that the single most important issue you could wrestle with, the single most important identity you could wrestle with is Jesus Christ. And who is he? And what has he done? And what does that actually mean for the life that you have to live right now? We're so glad you're with us. There, There is something really important that we have to uncover this morning. And as we get into Mark chapter 7, um, we're going to approach this text through two points. And it's a very simple two-point outline where we see the need in this text and we see the provision in this text. We're just going to get down to the brass tacks. If you want to talk about Jesus, if you want to understand Jesus, then one of the helpful ways that you can approach a text is to get in and try to identify what's the need here and what is the provision here or the solution here. So let's look at our first point in, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 7 where we see the need, the need. Now check it out. If you haven't been with us, uh, you may not be familiar where, with where we're at in the story. But if you have been with us, you will recognize right out of the gate that as we look at the first few verses of this passage, you recognize that we're in a familiar place. We've been here before. Jesus has been here before. And that place is near what is called the Decapolis. And if you flip back just two chapters, you might remember that this is the place where Jesus performed a healing uh, or a miracle on behalf of this man. And if you recall, Jesus jumps out of the boat. He crosses the sea with his disciples. He gets to the other side of the sea. And this is right after there's a big storm on the sea. And Jesus' disciples are losing their minds. They're freaking out. They're terrified. Jesus says to the, to the winds, peace, be still. And the water stills. And they're like, who in the world is this dude? They get to the other side of the sea. They get out of the boat. And then all of a sudden, there's a guy running toward them out of the graveyard, out of the tombs. And this man is possessed by evil spirits. And Jesus casts these evil spirits out of the man. We're right back at this place. And, and it's in this place that Jesus does this profound work of transformation in this man's life. And, and what we see throughout the Gospel of Mark is this constant theme throughout Mark's Gospel. Remember, Mark is trying to give you a profile, an understanding of who is Jesus. How do, how do you begin to wrestle with his identity and his claims? And one of the things that we see in Mark's gospel, is that Jesus notices those 
who usually go unnoticed. And he recognizes those who typically go unrecognized. And he heals those who otherwise cannot find healing. And so in our passage, there, there is this man who is brought to Jesus as Jesus is, is outside of his typical ministry territory. Now, and that's an important an important point in, in terms of like where we're at in Mark's gospel. In this series of little stories, Mark is, is showing us how Jesus goes outside of the boundaries of his cultural group, his ethnic group. And right now, Jesus is, is over the border, so to speak. And the text tells us that this man is brought to Jesus. We're not told who brought the man. We're, we're, we're simply given a description of the man. And we're told that the man was deaf and had a speech impediment. And the people who brought him, we're told, begged Jesus to lay hands on him. To lay hands on him is simply to say that at that time it was recognized when you were going to do something for somebody, particularly a religious figure, one of the, the acts through which you performed that was you lay hands on, on somebody. It's, it was this, in the sense of communicating some kind of power into their life. So they asked Jesus to do something about the situation that this man's in. And if we could put it another way, uh, we would describe this man's situation like this. We would say that here is a man who can't hear the way he was supposed to hear, nor speak the way that he was supposed to speak according to the Lord's creative design for human beings. Now, if you're wrestling with the Christian faith, what I'm asking you to do is think about this through the Christian framework. And what we're saying is that in creation, God designed all the parts of our body to work in a certain way. And and what we see is that this man's ears don't work the way they, they were meant to, to work. And as a result of his inability to hear, he can't talk. And so he's in this situation. And, and it's important for us to recognize as we acknowledge the way the text describes the man's situation, one of the things that is important is, is to affirm the beauty of, of deaf culture. Uh, and maybe you've never thought about it before. Uh, we all have to, to grow and stretch and reach in order to appreciate the beauty of the diversity God has created. But you think about the way in which the deaf community has made lemonade. It's something beautiful. Uh, I have done a little bit of reading and trying to understand since we live, you know, not far away from Gallaudet and I have appreciated the things that I have learned about deaf culture and I and want to acknowledge that. But there is, there's a way in which the gospel comes into every culture and it affirms certain things and sees common grace in each culture, but it also challenges certain things in each culture. And here in this story, what we're going to see is there's an affirmation of this man's dignity and humanity and his value from Jesus. And that's something maybe our deaf neighbors have not heard very strongly. But if there's any community on the face of the planet that ought to affirm their God-given dignity and value and worth in the eyes of God, it's the church. And so there's something really important there to affirm, but also we as Christians want to affirm that it was never meant to be this way. It was never meant to be the case in this world that God created 
that we would have neighbors who would not have use of their ears and as a result would not be able to communicate with their mouths the way that God designed. So that's where we are. This is the this is the man we're dealing with. And it would be possible for us to read this passage and to focus exclusively on the physical affliction that Jesus deals with for this man. It'd be possible, all right? But if you consider this passage in the broader story of scripture, you will be reminded that it's often the case that physical disabilities are often used metaphorically in order to teach us about spiritual truths or spiritual conditions or to communicate spiritual realities. But one thing that's important to say is that the Bible does not downplay the seriousness or the difficulty of those physical afflictions and disabilities. Scripture doesn't downplay that. It acknowledges the difficulty for those who have physical afflictions and suffering. And this is demonstrated by the fact that Jesus so often heals the physical pains and sufferings of people. There is utter empathy and compassion for those who suffer physically with disability and pain. And there are also truths for us to discover or consider beneath the surface of those physical considerations. And when it comes to hearing and speaking, we are confronted with one of the most stubborn spiritual problems that we face. When you think about the metaphor as it is so often used in scripture, we're confronted with one of the most stubborn spiritual problems that we face. And everything in our experience confirms the reality of our struggle. Hearing, in the metaphorical sense, is perception, understanding, and conviction that leads to right living. And what we see so often in Scripture, and what we're reminded of in this text, is that God repeatedly tells His people in Scripture that they have a hearing problem. And because they have a hearing problem, they have a speaking problem. And if we want to understand in a more pointed way how Mark's, mis- how Mark's message will minister to us, what Mark is really saying, we could break it up into three different categories to understand the nature of our spiritual need. Our hearing problem and our speaking problem relate to God, to our community, for Christians, that's the church, and to our neighbors. Our problem hits all three. Let's start with God. We have a hearing problem when it comes to God, according to Scripture. And what I mean by that is this. We can't hear what God says about the world. We can't hear what God says about us, especially when he tells us of our need for him or our desperation, regardless of how pretty we can, we can dress it up when we're around other people. We can't hear what he says about us. We can't hear what he says about our neighbors. We can't hear what he has to say about our work, how it is not the ground of our identity and worth. We can't hear what he has to say about our kids who we so often fail to treat with their proper value and dignity. We treat them like inconveniences rather than true gifts from God. We can't hear what God has to tell us about 
so many of the good things in our lives that we are often tempted to treat like ultimate things and replace God with those things. We can't hear. We can't hear what God says about our neighbors and their dignity and their value. We can't hear God, but also we can't hear our community. We can't hear what's beneath the surface level concerns of the people who are closest to us. We think we do, but we can't hear so often. We can't hear our community members when they tell us what they need from us or when they tell us the things that hurt us. We're determined to turn a deaf ear to them. We can't hear our community members and, the, and those closest to us when they tell us things about ourselves that we don't want to hear. We see this playing out very publicly right now. But the other thing is, we can't hear our neighbors. We can't hear our neighbors. We can't hear their concerns. We can't hear their fears. We can't hear their questions and doubts. We struggle to hear them and we often assume that we already know. It's often the case that we mind read our neighbors and we assume we understand what's going on in their heads when we don't have the foggiest clue because we have not heard them. There are often questions beneath the questions that we have not heard. We can't hear the way that we are supposed to hear according to the Lord's creative design. And because we can't hear rightly, we also cannot speak rightly. A few minutes scrolling through the news or through your social media feed will prove this beyond all doubt. We, we don't know how to really talk because we have not learned to hear. Now, we know how to talk about people, but we don't know how to talk to people. We know how to lie to others to protect our reputations. We know how to slander others to cover our shame and insecurities. We know how to flatter others in order to manipulate them for our own ends. We know how to denigrate others, wounding them with hurtful words. We even start sharpening this skill at an early age. Kids, we know how to talk in bad ways to people, which means we don't really know how to talk to people. Have you ever called a friend a mean word? Have you ever had a fight with a, your brother or sister and said something to them that you shouldn't or called them a name? Even when we're little, we realize that what God says in the Bible is that we have a problem with how we talk to people. To borrow a picture, from James the Apostle. We know how to use our tongues to set a forest ablaze with our words. In fact, we have set the whole course of our lives, many of us. We have set it on fire by the use of our words. Have you ever seen the stories of people who, because of the way they used their words on social media, whether it was right or wrong for it to happen, it's just the fact of the matter. They wound up losing their jobs. They wound up getting getting cut off from their, their community. They ended up getting alienated because of the way they used their words. They set their lives on fire. The stories are abounding. But if we go a little further, what we also see is we talk when we should be quiet. 
and we're often quiet when we should be talking and speaking because we don't know how to speak the way we were supposed to speak according to the Lord's creative design. Not to mention the impact when you're in a position of leadership or authority. The damage can be wide-ranging and catastrophic when you can't speak the way you are supposed to speak. But now that we can see this man's dilemma, and by metaphor, by translation, we can see our own problems, something of our own struggles, because if we're all being honest with ourselves, we see something of ourselves in this failure to hear and in this failure to speak. We see something of ourselves in this passage, but we must ask, where is the good news exactly? Now listen, I tuned in to, to, to see what, what the gospel of Mark has to say about Jesus, but so far all I feel like is you're beating me up. Well, here's the deal. In the Bible, we have bad news and good news. The bad news is about us. What we're like, how we fail, how we hurt other people. The Bible calls this sin, sometimes corruption, sometimes idolatry because it's born of worshiping other things rather than God, whether that's reputation or how other people think of me or my performance or my resume or my career. We have many ways in which we could say, my life is a big story of bad news. Uh, the Bible has bad news in it, and that bad news about us. But the, the Bible also has good news in it. And the good news is all about God. And here's something really important. If you're trying to understand how to grow in reading scripture, maybe you're, you're reading the Bible for the first time, uh, and you're new to this. Here's something really important if you want to understand it. When you turn to the pages of the Bible, the first person you ought to be looking for is not yourself. You don't go in there to find yourself. First, you go in to find Jesus. Because the story really is all about him. All of the, the stories of scripture are meant to point you to him. All of the pages of scripture whisper his name. Every institution in the Bible is about him. Every character leads you to him. Every single detail is mounting a case, is drawing, is contributing to the picture that reveals his face. And so we've heard the bad news about ourselves. We've, we've learned something about ourselves or we're considering something about ourselves. But now it's really important that we consider what this passage has to tell us about what God has done in Jesus Christ. And so let's, let's take a look at our second point and final point, the provision. We've talked about the need. Now we have the provision. And if you pay attention to the flow of this passage, it's always really important when you're hearing a sermon to actually get your eyes on the text because you'll notice things you didn't notice before. And if you look at the flow of this passage, chapter 7, verse 31 through verse 37, if you look at the flow, you see that Jesus responds to the request. And the first thing he does is he gets the man away from the crowd, the crowd's demands. He, And that's always a first step that's really important in getting clarity is getting away from the crowd. He gets him away from the crowd. He points to his ears and then he touches his own tongue. And then he takes his own saliva and puts it on the man's tongue. 
Does that sound gross, kids? I know it sounds gross. But Jesus is doing something really important here. I want you to pay attention to it, all right? Jesus touches the man's the man's tongue, and he looks up, and he sighs. And then he says, Ephatha, which means be opened. And here's what's important. Jesus isn't doing all this because Jesus needs it. Jesus is doing all of this because the man needs it. Jesus is deeply identifying with this man and he enters into his pain with sympathy. And this is why Jesus sighs. You could translate that Greek word sigh, translated sighing as moaning. Jesus, uh, he's feeling it with the man. It's it's an expression of pain because Jesus has connected with, with this man and his alienation and his burden. And all the touching of the ears, what's that about? Like, what's happening here? All of this, this touching of his ears and touching of his mouth, you know what it is? It's sign language. It's a form of of sign language, like a primitive kind of sign language. Jesus is communicating with the man and he's, he's showing him what he can expect of Jesus. He's saying, essentially, come with me, beloved. Don't be afraid. I'm going to do something about your situation. Let's look to God. Jesus, Jesus speaks sign language to the man until he brings this man to complete restoration. Hear that again. Jesus continues to speak sign language to the man. He continues to communicate with this man until he brings him to complete restoration. And Jesus is showing us two things about his provision. He's he's teaching us two things in his provision. First, he's directly fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 35. And in Isaiah 35, it tells us of the coming salvation of the Lord. And, And that passage reads like this. It says this, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with recompense of the Lord. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Jesus is saying, I am the Lord's salvation. This is what Jesus is saying. This is why he does what he does. But the second thing that Mark is showing us, the second thing he's showing us, those of us who are spiritually deaf people, which is all of us, he's showing spiritually deaf people like you and me that God speaks sign language to us until he brings us to complete restoration. That's what he's showing us, the second thing. He's showing us, Mark is showing us in his gospel that God speaks sign language to us until he brings us to complete restoration. And the truth of the gospel is that Jesus is the sign language of God. The life of Christ is sign language, telling us, how committed God is to caring for us and serving us and healing us and cleansing us and restoring our righteous standing in the eyes of the Father. The cross of Christ 
is sign language, telling us how gracious the Lord is to take away the penalty of our sins, telling us of the deep, deep love of Jesus, love unmeasured, boundless, free, like an ocean rolling over you and me. He's, he's telling us that in the sign language of the cross and the resurrection of Christ is sign language, telling us of the glorious future, the blessed hope, and the astonishing inheritance that is ours in him. Because we're united to him by faith alone. Not because of how well we did next week, last week. Not because of what we're going to do next week. Not because of what's on our resume. Not because of how pretty we are. Not because of who we know. Not because of what others think of us or don't think of us. But simply by resting upon what Jesus has done for us and believing it. Trusting just like we trust a chair to sit in it and trust it to hold us up, that it's not going to fall through. Trusting in Jesus says, I believe that what he did is enough to take away my guilt, to take away my shame, as Pastor Duke talked about last week. What Jesus did is enough to secure my life. What Jesus did is everything for me. And so I can rest. I can be free. I can be free to give my life away for the benefit of other people. I can be free from the demands, from the rat race, from the, the treadmill of performance that we're constantly called to run on every day. I believe that what he did is enough and I don't need to add anything to it. I don't have to try. That's what faith is. Faith is just an empty hand that says, I need. It's an open mouth that says, I need to be fed. I can't do it myself. I need help. Faith is where our pride ends and our acknowledgement of need begins. And, and the beauty of Jesus is that he says, the only thing you need is your need. It's often difficult to get there, but he says you don't need anything except to acknowledge your need. That's faith. And through faith, we get all of the things that are his. And most importantly, we get him. <laughs> Beautiful beyond description. Glorious beyond what language can capture. Good beyond our wildest imagination. That's who he is. And, and when we see what God has said to us in his son. It should produce incredible joy and gladness in us. You know, think about it. Aren't you glad that the Lord has shown us what to expect of him in the gospel? Aren't you glad that, that Jesus identified with us and entered into our pain and alienation to bring us home to the Father? We ought to give thanks that the, the, the king of creation that the king of salvation, that the king of glory laid his hands on us and said, be opened. That, that, that's good news, that he spoke the word over his people and he continues to speak that word over his people in the gospel. It is in the gospel that the Lord speaks sign language to us until he brings us to complete restoration. This is how he speaks the gospel to us through his word. 
When we believe the good news that God saves sinners through his son Jesus, we can hear him saying to us, come with me, beloved. You don't have to be afraid. I have done something about your situation. Keep looking to me because the day of complete restoration is nearer than when you first believed. And to those of you who have not yet really gotten there, I want you to hear Jesus' invitation. I want you to see the tenderness and accessibility of Jesus in this passage. And I want to encourage you. I want to call you. I want to invite you. I want to plead with you to trust in him. He is the one who can open the ears of those who do not hear God. He's the one who can open the ears of those who do not hear the people closest to them. He's the one who can open the ears of of those who cannot hear their neighbors. He changes everything. As he heals our deafness, he he enables a new way of life for us. Because when we begin to hear the way we were meant to hear, then, then we can speak the way we were meant to speak. When he, when he gives us the ability to hear God again and to hear the, the people closest to us, to, to hear our, our community of faith again, and when he gives us the ability to hear our neighbors, then we recover our ability to speak words of grace and truth, words of love and mercy, words of life and blessing over one another and over our neighbors. This is how we recover our ability to speak to the Lord the way we were always meant to speak to him, words of praise and worship, words of prayer and faith, words of love and gratitude. When we see what God is saying in the life of Christ, in the cross of Christ, in the resurrection of Christ, we enjoy healing and we recover our ability to speak and we resume our work as the world's servant. When you understand what God has spoken to us in his son, how he stepped down out of heaven to accommodate us and meet us in the low place. When you understand the grace of the gospel sign language, you come to share in the final assessment of the people in verse 37. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. May the Lord continue this work in the life of our community. And may we add our voices to the chorus that sings his praise. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. That you teach us. That you just don't leave us to try and figure it out on our own. You don't leave us to our own folly. You don't leave us mired in our own confusion. You have spoken. And we are so grateful that you have spoken to us in your son, that you have, you have spoken through Jesus, who is the sign language of heaven. He is the sign language of God, that we who knew only spiritual deafness have come to appreciate and understand It's through him that we now understand what love is, sacrificial love, cruciform love, never ending, never stopping, 
never giving up, always and forever love. We are so grateful that you have drawn near to us and you have healed us and you're continuing to heal us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be a hearing people. Help us to hear your word, even when it confounds us and conflicts with what we really want to do. Help us to receive it. Help us to hear one another, especially in the church. Help us to hear one another and learn from one another and to not be dismissive or callous. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear our neighbors. You put us in this world for the benefit of our neighbors. Help us to hear them and help us to respond to them. And Lord, I pray that you would give us grace as we hear to speak, to speak the words that need to be spoken, to know when to be quiet, to know when we need to use our voices on behalf of the vulnerable and the marginalized. Lord, I pray that you would teach us, help us to grow in grace. And I pray that our place would be better because we're here, a hearing and speaking people that has been renewed by the grace of Jesus. We pray that you would bless our friends who are listening, who aren't quite sure where they are as it relates to faith, or they're still unconvinced, or they're wrestling with things. Lord, we're so grateful for them, for the trust that they have given to us to actually hear us out and let us be a voice for them on their journey. Would you meet them in their quest? Would you meet them as they wrestle with things. I pray that something that we've talked about this morning would stick in their minds and that it would be something life-changing about who Jesus is and what Jesus claims to be and, and what Jesus claims to have done. Lord, bless these friends. Encourage us. Watch over us. We pray for our country. We pray for a, a, a close to the, to the pandemic. We pray for um, those who are working on the front lines. We are grateful for them. And I pray that we would communicate our gratitude and that you would give them grace to persevere. Uh, Lord, we pray for those who are working on a vaccine. We pray for success and not only in the vaccine itself, but in distribution. Uh, Lord, have mercy on us. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We pray these things in Jesus' name.